Good evening and Merry Christmas. We're glad you're here to celebrate with us the birth of the Messiah, the King, Jesus Christ. We want to do that well tonight. I'm sitting next to my son Grayson, who we adopted this year, and he's like laughing at random things. I don't know what he's laughing about tonight, but whether it's your first Christmas, there he goes again, right there, right there. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, but whether this is your first Christmas, like for Grayson, or whether this is a Christmas uh, one uh, of many over the decades, over the years that you've celebrated, we want you to have the same joy-filled experience that we should all have knowing that the Savior has been born. Christ is here, and, and He's in our hearts, and, and He's stirring with us the desire to worship Him, to praise Him, to love Him with all that we have. So we want to do that tonight by singing some Christmas carols and looking at the Christmas story again with fresh eyes to hear the story of wonder and miracles. Let's pray together before we do that. Jesus, we, we just want to worship you tonight. Jesus, we know that somewhere in eternity past that the Father decided, let's do it this way. Let's send my son to be born as a baby. And you, Jesus, responded with, I'll do it. I'll be born as a baby. I'll become vulnerable. I'll become dependent on human hands that I created in the first place. We know that somewhere there's, there was that sort of decision that was made. And so began the plan for Christmas. And so we just want to, again, remember it. And again, celebrate it. Help us do that tonight. Stir in our hearts, Holy Spirit, to worship. We give this night to you. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
became incarnate, tangible, a love that knows no bounds was, bound in strips of cloth, tiny arms wrapped tightly, arms that came here to embrace all of mankind in forgiveness, to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Here with us as we continue to shine his light into a world that rejects him, a world where many have removed his name from the season when we celebrate the day salvation came to bring us a forever hope. Here with us, rejoicing in our worship and filling us with his Holy Spirit. Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest. Christmas, the day peace was made between God and man. The day we became reconciled to God as the Spirit became flesh. The God of all creation became one of us, Jesus. Prince of Peace, peace that is beyond our understanding. Peace that abides in us through the world is filled with trouble. Peace that comes in knowing that he has overcome the world. He has overcome war. He has overcome death. He has overcome the loneliness and grief some of us feel so deeply during this time of year. So let us take heart. Take heart in our wonderful counselor, who understands things that are beyond our comprehension. Jesus, wonderful counselor, upon whom we can cast all our cares, knowing he cares for us. Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Christmas, the day when the world first saw eternity. The everlasting Father who was, is, and always will be, was born into a stable. Infinity born into humility. Kings bowed before him with their finest gifts, and yet he, King of all kings, came to serve. Serve us with his life. Share with us eternity. We cannot fathom this undeserved gift. This gift, unlike the presents we seek this time of year, things that we consume and that in turn consume us, the gifts he bought with his life are gifts eternal, gifts of faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Christmas, a day long foretold by prophets, a day anticipated by those who believed a day that has become for us a commemoration, a mark of ceremony that faintly resembles its real historical value, a mere holiday, a time of observance. 
Christmas should, instead, be celebrated in daily spiritual reverence, a spiritual date of birth for us that has no dash to follow it, no point of expiration. A day that cannot be contained by only one calendar square, but moves with us daily in our expression of love toward others, to be, throughout our lives, a testament of God's eternal love for us. Christmas, a day when the angels rejoiced. May we also ever rejoice in its meaning. May we ever be grateful for God's perfect gift. For unto, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace.
It started out just like any other night, except for that angel. I ain't never seen anything like it before, and I haven't seen anything like it since. You see, us shepherds, we don't get a lot of excitement out there in the pasture. But that angel, it was so bright and so beautiful. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been out there in that pasture way too long. And you know what? I thought the exact same thing till that angel came right up to me and it said, don't be afraid. I was like, too late. <laughs> and then the angel said, wait a minute. I wrote this down. I didn't, I didn't want to get it wrong. Milk. Bread. Wait a minute. That's my grocery list. <laughs> Here we go. The angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then he said, He's laying in a manger wrapped in cloth. Now go and find him. I was like, okie dokie. Later on, we were sitting around talking, and uh, one of the shepherds was like, what are we waiting around for? Let's get out of here. Let's go to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there, went to Bethlehem, and there we found him. Beautiful baby boy. I ain't been the same man since that night. God chose me. And I ain't never been chosen for anything before in my life. And I'll never forget what that angel said. I bring good news to all people. All people. That means me, and that means you. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you that this good news is for everybody, that, that nobody is left out. I mean, we, we live in a world where we leave, leave people out all the time. There's different social statuses, popularity levels, wealth, we, 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 ability. We, we, we like to create divisions, and yet you cut through all that with the message of joy and hope the message of salvation for all people. And that day all people, slave or free. And even in our day, we're so thankful that children can understand this, that people in other cultures across the world can understand this that people who have a lot in this country can understand it. That people that are going through hard times here can understand it. Thank you that the message truly is universal. 
And who did you choose to tell it to first? Shepherds. What a funny thing. And yet that part of the story captures our imagination. As we think about shepherds a little more tonight, I pray that you'd open our hearts to hear your words in the scriptures. May they be life to us. May they be joy to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You all know how we announce uh, births today. If someone has a baby, the parents are full of joy, and they, maybe they send out pictures, you know. They, they, they go in and they print out a little postcard maybe and send it to relatives, and, and they get to hear the date of the birth, the time, the weight, all that good information. Sometimes it's even faster than that, you know, and you can just get on your computer and get on uh, Facebook and you can see pictures from the hospital room, you know, the, the moment after it's born. It's like right there, you know, in front of for us all to see. And, and we celebrate that way, you know. We, we want everybody to know there's a new baby here. There's a new life that's been born. And we all need to celebrate this with us. And when God had His Son born, when the Father sent His Son to be born, he also wanted to send the news. He wanted to announce it. And he did it in the sky. He did it with angels. And he proclaimed it to shepherds. I want to read the familiar story to you again in Luke chapter 2. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Shepherds. God chose shepherds to announce the birth of his son. Why in the world would he do that? Have you ever thought about that? Why shepherds? Well, and it's not like the story tells us exactly why shepherds, but if you look in the, in, in the biblical story from Old Testament to New, you see shepherds have a huge role to play in the Bible. And I think it's informative to us to understand what God does with shepherds in the Bible. What's going on with shepherds? I want to take you on a little tour then of shepherds in the Bible. A little survey. Uh, shouldn't be too painful. You won't be looking at verses. You'll be looking at them on the screen. And we can kind of put maybe the puzzle together as to why God chose shepherds to kind of maybe take a look into his heart 
as we see it in the Bible. One of the first shepherds that we see in the Bible is Moses in the book of Exodus. Can you pull up Exodus so we can look at that? Now, you know the story of Moses, right? Because Moses is born and and Pharaoh wants to kill Hebrew baby boys. And, And Moses is one of those Hebrew baby boys. And Moses' parents... I mean, they just take that step of faith and put him in the basket and put him into the Nile River. And and you know this young lady finds him, this Egyptian young lady, and and she takes him in and he becomes part of kind of Pharaoh's extended family. Right? And he's getting raised there. And and then he kind of grows up and one day he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew person and he kills the Egyptian. You know, he, he, he commits murder in a sense. And... Then he goes on the run. He takes off. And he ends up uh, marrying a young lady and working for this guy named Jethro. And what does he work for him doing? Tending sheep. This is the story. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, now God, obviously God's hand was on Moses. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt. You know, the basket's floating all over the place. There's crocodiles coming after, you know, just crazy stuff. You know, I don't even know how, there's a lot of artistic liberty there. But, you know, God's hand was on Moses. We understand that. But God chose to show up to Moses in a very specific way while Moses was tending sheep. God chose to show up to a shepherd. God's choice. When and where, he chose a shepherd. Okay? That doesn't tell us too much, but it gets a lot more interesting when you get to David. So first of all, Moses. We could say Moses tells us that God has a history with shepherds. Something about shepherds, okay? Secondly is David, right? Um, 1 Samuel 16, can we pull that up? You know David. David is that, that kid who killed Goliath. You know that story. So, so David is going to be the next king of Israel. He doesn't know it yet. And, and Samuel's going to anoint the king. He's going to pour oil on the future king's head. And so, and so Samuel goes to Jesse and says, show me your boys. One of them's going to be king. All the boys come through and none of them are going to be king. That's not the right one. And Samuel's like, you got anybody else? So verse 11, he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you've got? There's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. David's a shepherd. He's just a shepherd boy. And so later, when David's ready to take on Goliath, pull up the next verse. David hears about uh, this guy named Goliath who's taunting the armies of God. And David says to King Saul, Your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion. The paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So apparently, God uses David's shepherding time to teach him some very important lessons. When predators are coming after your sheep, you're like, these are my sheep. I take care of them. They're my responsibility, and I'm taking out the lion. I'm taking out the bear. I trust God to help me. 
because he's given me this responsibility for this sheep. So maybe it should come as no surprise to us that next verse, David becomes king, and it says, David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. You're king of a nation. Your word goes. Whatever you say is the way that it is. You're king. And you learned incredibly powerful life lessons from tending sheep. No one else around to watch you, but you and God and a whole lot of sheep eyes looking at you. You know, that's all you got. And you're learning to be a good shepherd of the the creatures entrusted to you. So David grows up. He becomes a good king. Such a good king, in fact. Not that he's perfect. We, we have a record of his failures. But he becomes such a good king that every future king is compared to David. He's a man after God's own heart. Pull up the next verse. You get, you get verses like this all over the place in the, in the Old Testament. It's just all over the place. So King Josiah... He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Every king would be measured by David. Are you a good king like David, or are you a bad king unlike David? Because David's the best. So secondly, and we can pull the point up here, Jesus is in the line of David, the shepherd king. Jesus, number two, we're we're on still, number two. Jesus is in the line of David, the shepherd king. That's pretty important. It's extremely important to understand David's occupation, where he learned to trust God. Who he was, was shaped by his shepherding. And Jesus is in the line of David. Where was the Messiah supposed to be born? The town of David. Whose line is Jesus in? He's in the line of King David. That doesn't mean that we just consider him the king of kings because he's God. Also, in a physical sense, he's in the line of the king. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. He is the king of the universe. He's in the line of David. Kind of makes you wonder if shepherds are out there talking some nights going, you know, Do you ever think any of us will be as famous as King David? Starting out in the fields watching sheep and and, and finally greatness is going to be thrust upon us. You got to think shepherds would have those kind of conversations. They think about the greatest shepherds that they knew and David was at the top. Thirdly, number three, uh, over time, shepherding in both the Bible and secular literature, shepherding started to be used as a metaphor for kings, rulers, religious leaders. You can look at the Bible, and it's all over the place. You can look at secular literature of that time, all over the place. People compared kings to shepherds. And it's easy to see why. Because kings made decisions that affected their sheep, their people. And you had good kings that were good shepherds, and you had bad kings that kind of lived for themselves. In fact, God was very upset at many of the shepherd kings. Check out the next verse. This is God. 
As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock, that would be Israel, the Jews, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered, so has become food for the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And he's about to condemn the kings. And he compares them to shepherds, bad shepherds, who don't care for the sheep the way they should. In fact, later, um, Jeremiah 3.15 says this, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. He's like, I'm going to send you rulers, priests, religious leaders that will actually care about you and not just themselves. I can, I can just imagine again shepherds having a lot of opinions about the Roman Empire. You know, they're talking about Caesar going, is, is he a good guy or not? You know, is he a guy that cares about the people or only cares about his own power? You've got to think that shepherds had a lot of political opinions because they knew their primary responsibility is to take care of these sheep. And they knew rulers had a responsibility to take care of their people. And, and we get this. We understand how this works because it wasn't just them we also know politicians, dictators across the world that care more about their own, their own power, their own position. They want more votes. They don't really want to help. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm only saying we, we live in this kind of a world, a world with shepherds that don't really help the sheep. I'm sure shepherds had a lot of opinions about that. And then you have, I almost, I almost cut Amos out, but it would be wrong to do that. Then there's Amos, because uh, pull up the Amos verse. Uh, I, I know probably a lot of you don't hang out in the book of Amos a lot. You know, uh, you probably couldn't tell me necessarily what it's about, but I'll make it really easy on you, right? Israel is not following God. They're worshiping other gods, and Amos comes into this thing, and he is a prophet, except he didn't grow up as a prophet. He was a shepherd. And God told the shepherd, hey, I want you to say a lot of mean things to Israel about how they've left me. I want you to call them to account for what they're doing. I know you're a shepherd, but I want you to go out and do that. So uh, he starts prophesying against Israel. You know, God's against you. You're going to get conquered. Bad things are going to happen. And then uh, Amaziah, he is kind of mad about it. And he says to Amos, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of his kingdom. And Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd and I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said, go prophesy to my people Israel. And you can kind of feel the jab at Amaziah, you know. He's like, I'm not a prophet and I wasn't born into a prophet's family. Like you. <laughs> right? I didn't come from privilege and from prestige. I'm just a normal, smelly shepherd. And God said, I want some things I want you to do. Would you tell God no? <laughs> Amos. Amos. Number four, then. God uses common people to do his amazing work. She shepherds are incredibly common. They're just normal. They smell bad. 
They keep long hours. That's hard on the family. They're kind of lower class people. That's shepherds. And God chooses those lower class people to announce the good news to everybody else. Like, what if, what if God would have sent the angels to Herod, King Herod, right? The Messiah is born, you know? What if he would have gone to Caesar? You're the ruler of the Roman Empire. Books are going to be written about you. I'm telling you, the Messiah is born. The king of the universe is here. Salvation's come. What would they have done with that message? I'm sure there would have been some way to twist it, to keep their power or increase it. Caesar would have been proclaiming his own divinity. Angels came to me. Shepherds don't really have that uh, sort of position, do they? You know, the angels came to us. Don't you want to be like us? Not really. You know, not, not really. I want to like seeing some angels, but I don't want to stink like you. That's just, that's just, just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You're lower class people. Pretty cool about the angel thing, though. Pretty cool. Um, the message is, you can be as smart as smart can be, and if you don't know the king of kings, you don't know a whole lot. Because knowing Jesus makes you smarter and wiser than everybody else, and the shepherds prove it. They're common, and yet knowing the Savior makes them very uncommon. And so we've talked about them for centuries. We've talked about him for centuries. I'm so glad that God uses normal people like us. We're coming to the end here. Coming to the end. Ezekiel 34. Like I said, uh, the, the prophets in the Bible love talking about shepherds. Here it is. Uh, this is God saying, uh, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down declares the Sovereign Lord. What does that verse mean? God is saying, I am going to be, God is saying, I am going to be the shepherd of my people. God himself. You've had a lot of bad shepherds. I'm going to get the job done. A few verses later though, interestingly enough, Ezekiel 34, the next one, um, again, same passage, same chapter. God says, I will place over them one shepherd, singular, one, my servant, David. Now, David's been dead for a while. Okay? He's been dead. My servant, David. He will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, David, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So you've said, God will be the shepherd. And then he says, there's this human David person that will be the shepherd. God will be shepherd. And a human will be shepherd, a human named David. And what he's saying is, someone is going to come, and he will be God, and he will be man, and he will be the shepherd. The God-man will shepherd the people. Number five, pull that up. Jesus is the good shepherd. All that leads here. Jesus is the good shepherd. When God says, I'm going to shepherd you, 
and I'm going to send David to shepherd you, he means Jesus is going to shepherd you. He's in the line of David. He's the king. And so Jesus talks about this and says in John 10, you could pull that up, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus has the ultimate picture of a shepherd as somebody that says, if a predator comes, a bear, a lion, I'm willing to die to protect my sheep. Ultimate picture of a shepherd. I'll lay down my life. And Jesus laid down his life. He was born. When you look at the manger, you ought to see the cross. Because the baby was born to grow up so that in his humanity, he could die. How do you kill God? Well, if God takes on flesh, then you can kill him temporarily. You can. Until he resurrects three days later. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd takes care of sheep. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. All of this shepherding stuff is leading up to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. All the shepherding stuff in the Old Testament, that's where it's all going. It makes me think that God chose shepherds because it would point to the role of his son. His son was going to be a shepherd to people throughout history, including us. So let me end with this verse. And you've done so well. That's a lot of verses. I gave you a little tour of shepherding in the Bible. 1 Peter 2.25 For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The point is simple. Everybody, everybody needs a shepherd. Everybody needs guidance in this life. Those that are too full of pride to admit it, I can't help you there. But I'd ask you to consider, for those that have never bowed to Jesus' shepherding in your life, you that have never said, I need a shepherd, I'm only asking you, how much direction do you feel like you've got in your own life? How much care do you feel like you have in your own life? How much purpose do you have? Shepherds give sheep that. They give direction. They give protection. They give care. They love the sheep. I would just ask, whether you're a Christian or not, that you would consider, am I allowing the shepherd, the chief shepherd, to guide me in this life? Or if I kind of become my own shepherd, making my own decisions, doing life the way I want. Sheep can be very stubborn. And I've been in some stubborn places myself. And the shepherd has always guided me back, sometime with the staff giving me a whack. But he's brought me back. And so I submit to his leading. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes now? Musicians, you can come back up. Candle lighters, you can come up as well. If you are here tonight and 
It's your desire to bow your heart to the chief shepherd, to get his guidance, to get his guidance and direction in your life. He was born to save you. He was born to save you. And if that's you, and tonight's the night where God has got a hold of your heart and said, you need a shepherd, you need me, you need to bow before your king. Could we do business with God tonight? It's a perfect night for it. If that's you, can I just ask you to raise your hand and signal that that's me. I need that shepherding. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, could you put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I need that. I want to pray for you. I don't see any hands, but I want to pray for you that are still considering the the claims of Christ. And then I want to pray for us, the church, that have been kind of stubborn and need to bow again. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for those here that are still thinking about all these things that have not returned to the shepherd of their souls. I pray you just give them clarity of thought to really understand who you are, to understand how good you are, and to bow their knee to you. We sing in O Holy Night, fall on your knees. And I pray for some here that have never done that, that they would fall on their knees. And I pray for your church. I pray that we, your bride, would follow your voice, Jesus, as closely as we can. I pray for those with harder hearts, for stubborn sheep, that you would, either in a, in a difficult way or, or in a gentle way, whatever we need, would you guide us back to yourself? Would you soften our hearts? Would you help us honor you as the good shepherd? Help us hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hopefully you have a little better understanding of what in the world. Why shepherds? Shepherds are kind of important to the whole biblical story. It's a pretty cool thing. We're going to close this service tonight with a tradition that we often do at this church. When Jesus was born into the world, we declare that light was born. Light came into the world to shine and to give us knowledge and understanding of who God is and how much he loves us. When Jesus was born, light came. So you all have candles. We are going to stand together. I invite you to do that now. We're going to sing Silent Night. Candle lighters will start lighting candles if you pass the light down. And just remember that the light has come.
The light has arrived. Let's pray and be dismissed. Jesus, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. To become vulnerable and helpless. And all of that so that you could die. Jesus, we're so thankful that this season is not about uh, department stores. And it's not really about snow and gifts. It's about you, the ultimate gift. It's about you. Would you, would you fill our hearts with joy again this season? When we're spending time with family and friends, would you help us shine our lights on the people around us? May we reflect you as the moon reflects the sun so that people can see the joy that we have that doesn't come from things or circumstances or health or relational stuff that they can see the joy that comes from knowing you. Thank you again, Jesus. We celebrate your birth. Help us do it well. In your name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas.